the growing calls across the nation to defund the police. To end policing as we know it. Off the charts violence in New York City. 11 people shot in just eight hours on Sunday. This is Sunday. about the police officers, officers who every single day put on that uniform and they run towards danger when we run away from it. What's up? Giddy up. Welcome to the Player to Stop podcast, the number one show where police meet society and culture. Today's show is the Friday Breakdown. It's going to be a little bit unusual. What's not unusual is that I'm here with my co-host, as always, the easy, the breezy, the beautiful Drew Breezy, cover girl, who's with us today for the Friday Breakdown. Today's Friday Breakdown is brought to you by ghostbed.com forward slash Wolfpack. Sleep so good at Slayer. I'm telling you right now, uh, after today's episode, you're going to need a ghost bed. This is a special episode that we're bringing to you guys uh, just for, um, for a number of reasons. One, we're going to break down the Manuel Ellis case. Uh, we began to break that down. We discovered that there's just a lot more evidence in that case. So Drew and I want to take a little bit more time to review that case, and we will bring that to you Friday. But in the meantime, we have launched a Patreon site, uh, and we've had a flood of new audio listeners that are, are have uh, have gone over to our paid Patreon site. We do five free shows a week on this channel. Of course, we have our Patreon show, but we've recently wanted to just kind of, since the Patreon is new, we wanted to give a second to take a moment to let you guys have a sneak peek of what exactly our Patreon account is going to be. It's all the extra content. It's about the stuff that doesn't fit in with breakdowns. It doesn't fit in with the real true crime. Um, and, and today I'm going to show you, we're going to, to give you guys one free Patreon episode. Um, and this is an interview that I was able to do, uh, yesterday with Jimmy Toro. Uh, he wrote the book heal. Jimmy Toro was uh, the victim of a satanic sex cult at a very, very young age. Um, we're talking between the ages of four and eight. Uh, at one point he was buried in a casket alive with another corpse as part of a satanic ritual from very abusive family members. Um, and so uh, I was able to sit down and talk with him about all the traumas, about how he's overcoming traumas. It's a three-part series. We're going to give you the first part for free today. And it's just a very great, it's very emotional, it's very passionate. You're going to learn a lot about some some topics that are not easy to talk about, um, mainly being uh, pedos, uh, sex crimes, satanic rituals, and the like. So if that is your cup of tea, I'm glad that we're doing this this way today because it just seems like Drew's computer just can't get it right. <laughs> no, it's, it's I'm here. I, I just, it's for some reason my camera won't catch up. That's okay. 
Well, we I don't, don't need it to because we're going to fill it in. I do have one review and rating. Normally, I'd let you read it, but since you're having so many problems this morning, do you want me to go ahead and read it? Is that okay? This one comes from Cedar Plank TC. It's a five-star review on iTunes. It says, these guys are great. I'm a civilian, but I love the show. I listen on Apple Podcasts. Andrea Uplate is also great. Thinking about buying one of those ghost beds. Well, if you're thinking about it, think no longer. Don't, don't think, just act, as Dwight Shrew would say. Don't think, just act. Um, Mother's Day is right around the corner. Grab your mom a ghost bed pillow. Get her those cooling sheets. Get her the cooling technology. Get her the pillow. Get her a full ghost bed. Get her the adjustable base. Look, right now, they've got a 50% off sale on the website. Drew, are you able to at least help me out with, with the chant? I am. Uh, hopefully, it'll be time probably better because there won't be any video. Oh, great. Um, well, okay. Ghostbed is one of our favorite companies, not only because they support first responders and veterans, and they offer 50% off right now going into the um, Mother's Day sale and 40% off of everything else on the site, but Ghostbeds are made in the good old USA. 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 Oh, God, just USA to all over the place. Um, Got a little bit overzealous there with the USAs. I apologize for that, guys. Uh, but let's get serious. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and dive in. Unless you got anything else. You got anything else before we dive into this crazy Patreon interview with Jimmy Toro? Yes. Sounds, uh, that was the case breakdown we did last week, if you'll remember correctly. Uh, so congratulations to him and his girlfriend, Brooke, who we hope to bring on uh, pretty soon. But uh, we hope that they're... I'm not going to say it was our breakdown that that made it to where he's found not guilty. But, I mean, I don't know if there's a coincidence there or not. But we did just, do we'll, that. We'll imply it. We, yeah, we, we'll imply it. We did a breakdown and he got found not guilty. So, I mean, like, we're pretty much awesome like that. Um, and, guys, it's just one of those stories. I want you to buckle in. This is going to be a hell of a Friday. Uh, it has a happy ending. But it is going to go to some dark places. Again, this is a three-part series that's coming out um and and the other two parts are going to carry on and listen just because you listen to the first one does not mean you have to listen to the other there it's and we're not leaving you hanging on this first episode the first episode tells the whole story the second episode that's coming out um on the patreon it'll only go on patreon so um the second episode is going to be how he overcame the trauma but the the first episode is literally just about the trauma that he endured um extremely abused as a child and and kind of where and it brings it up to modern day episode two will be how he overcame all of this trauma and then episode three is is going to be just a rehash of sex cults in general and that'll actually go out on night shift with andrea so um if you want the link between today's free patreon episode that we're going to give you just to promote our patreon site and the free content that we'll give you with Jimmy Toro on Night Shift, if you want that in between, that missing segment, then you'll need to go and become a paid member on Patreon or a paid member on our YouTube channel. Um, other than that, you guys uh, enjoy this content. And if you don't have anything else, Drew, I'm just going to go ahead and roll that beautiful theme footage. What do you think? Have at it. All right, guys. Elijah, we'll be in the chat. Play that. Yeah, we'll be in the chat. So, Elijah, go ahead and play for us the uh, Jimmy Toro interview on Patreon. please. Hearing it first and foremost is our Patreon subscribers. Guys, listen, for all you guys who are premium subscribers to the Fire Stop Podcast channel, we cannot thank you enough. This show is ad-free because it's on Patreon, baby. 
But when it does go to uh, when it does go uh, out to the public, it is brought to you by GhostBed.com forward slash Wolfpack. And uh, you'll just have to hear the ad read somewhere else because we don't do that on Patreon, baby. You guys pay for the ad-free content. That's what I'm going to give you. Today, I'm sitting down with a special guest, very special guest. This is going to be a very interesting episode. So if you guys wanted bonus content, you wanted extra content, I don't know how much extra I can get. This is pretty extra. Uh, I'm sitting here with Mr. Jimmy Toro from the book Heal. Is that correct? Yes, sir. And uh, unbelievable trauma, dealing with trauma, overcoming trauma. We're going to be all about trauma today. Uh, we're all about, you know, children, child abuse, protecting children. As law enforcement officers, Mr. Toro, most of our listeners are first responders. Uh, 99% of our, our listenership is first responders of some kind, uh, police, dispatchers, fire and EMS. And so we, we oftentimes see the childhood trauma it's not our trauma it's their trauma we're just there for maybe you know the peak of that trauma we're there at at the end of it or or what 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 has built up over decades over years and it is all compiled by the time we get there so we miss out on the majority of the trauma that happens we're only there for a glimpse of it but you are somebody there who has lived it um and we're going to get to hear your story today yeah, thank you very much. Yes, sir. So how does it all start for you? Well, it's an, it's an interesting subject, trauma, because um, it involves a whole lot of uh, really, really, really bad people doing super awful things to children, unimaginable things. And often when I share some of the things that these uh, adult cowards do to children, uh, people get really angry and they get shocked at, at what, you know, I. I would call them sadists because the definition of a sadist is somebody who, who enjoys inflicting pain on another person. And these are the worst of the worst because they enjoy inflicting such pain on, on little children. And that's why they're easy to call, call them cowards because, you know, little children can't fight back right. physically or mentally. And so my story begins at about, well, there are different levels of abusers. Let's say you could have the classic, uh, guy who abuses his wife or hits his kid, you know, et cetera. Then, then you go deeper and you have the individual who would rape a young girl, right? And then you go deeper into the more um, chronic or almost like a serial killer. These individuals who just can't get enough and they do, they do all kinds of terrible things to children. Then you have these groups, uh, call them cults or what you think of the Ku Klux Klan they all get in their robes and they get in a circle and they burn, burn a cross and whatnot and so my involved my unfortunate young life involved being in something like that so it, it it's called like a rich ritualistic satanic abuse mm-hmm. and these creeps they gather together and they get in their robes and they do their uh, traditions and whatnot if, if you think of like uh, let's say back in the Bible, the Jews are historically known for when they built their temple, they have the robes and they have their, their different offerings, all these traditions and protocol that they go through. Well, the satanic folks do the same thing. You know, they just do it in their own way with their own robes. And, you know, think of like a pentagram or a goat's head. You know, they have all their symbolism and all this going on. And uh, similar to the movie, what was the movie? Um eyes wide shut is that yeah. 
kind yeah. of what kind of people are in these cults? Like, what, what's the demographic? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, the thing that often shocks most people is, uh, and one of the things I'm trying to raise awareness, I, I also started a charity called Rescue 11. The purpose of the charity is to protect, go into communities to help protect children and raise awareness that these individuals are right in your community. They really are. They're often, sometimes they're mayors. They're, they're even, unfortunately, mm. some are even police officers. Mm. And uh, they can be coaches at high schools. And these creeps, think about it. They, they, they are addicted to abusing young kids. And not just physically, but sexually and everything. And because of their addiction, they gravitate towards groups, Boy Scouts of America, orphanages, schools where you know young kids are, and they target rich environments. Yeah, they do. They become. I've involved. always said on our show, and, and I've done many episodes on child abuse and child pedophilia and sex crimes, and yeah. I always say that it's not. Is there a pedophile in my church? Is there a pedophile? It's who is the pedophile in my church? Who is the pedophile in my school? Because when you have a target rich environment, there's going to be predators. You know, you know, if you're on the plains of Africa, you're not saying, is there, is there a lion out here? You're saying, where is the lion? Because where else is it going to be? You're so right. If you look at like the, the registered sex offender list, which you can find in your neighborhood, right? These are the ones who've been caught. Right. There are, there, I don't know the number because who knows the number? Because these, these folks, they are really folks. That's too nice. These creeps, they mm -hmm. are really, really good at hiding what they do. I often get the question to me is like, well, how could, how could they do that and not be found out? Well, they're really, really, really good. They're really, mm -hmm. really clever. And, and, and it goes worse than that. These groups, they organize into these like occultist type of groups and do their creepy stuff. Then you have the business side of it. So, so if I have a brothel and I have rooms of women and a guy pays me money to go into one of the rooms and do what he does, that's a money-making adventure for me. Well, in the realm of abusing little kids, it's, it's, no, it's no different, just worse. So there's a clientele of these creeps who want to do awful, awful things to little kids. And then there's the money side. There's the people who run it, who, they, you know, who get paid to do that. Also, too, often these kids age out. Often these kids are abused so bad that they're killed and they're harvested for their organs. And so if, if a kid ages out or, or gets killed, they have, to, they have to fill the supply with more kids. So because they have to fill the supply with more kids, they are really good at finding kids. Whether and you have firsthand experience with this. Well, when I was from age three to about age eight, I was one of these kids who was abused in these occult, uh, satanic ritual things. And yeah, I, I mean, I could get into some awful stories if you like what happened to me. I would like to first know is how, how did you get caught up? At age? What were the ingredients yeah. Yeah. that made you? Okay. So when, well, one of, one of the other, let's say, even more unfortunate things about kids being abused is when their parents or guardians are the abusers. Mm. Now, that's worse mm. on many levels. If you're, a, if you're a little kid and something awful happens to you by somebody else and you have a parent to go to, let's say you have a mom mm. who loves you 
and you can go to your mom and she can comfort you and hear your story and provide safety. You can release that trauma out of your body forever. But if you don't find safety or your parents are the perpetrators, you will store it all in you. You just will. Yeah. It's not uncommon for people who've been through some awful stuff, especially as uh, in those formative years to, and this happened in my case. Um, so a lot of awful abuse from age three to age eight, and then from age eight till age literally a year ago, I'm, I'm almost 60 and literally a year ago, uh, I suppressed all those memories, all of them. (sighs) And they came tumbling back horrifically. And people don't understand. You hear like with uh, PTSD with the military, right? No. And well, there's CPTSD, which the C stands for child. And so when when all those, and it's not just the memory of the uh, the abuse that comes back. It's much worse than that. All the emotions. Uh, if 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 you're being tortured, like like one one example, they locked me in this coffin. And in the coffin, this is going to sound awful, but it's true. And the coffin was this dead body and the guts were ripped out. And you're like, why would they go through, why would they go to such, such extreme measures to torture a kid in such, let's say, clever ways? And they shut the lid on me. I thought I was going to die. And so, well, what the, the, the amount of scared that puts in, that gets put into that little kid's body in, in a situation like that is is unimaginable then it gets it's worse. unimaginable for for an adult it is it's an it is but it gets worse and so when when that little me was screaming banging on that coffin wow. like thinking that was that was my death um at some point the screams stop because you run out of scream and then they open that lid up and what do you see you see adults laughing wow. at you. That that's just tricky stuff. Now, were adults. your parents present for that? My father was part of it. Okay, well, I, I, before we get into the the trauma part, I just sure. have a lot. Of, I have a lot of questions. If if I'm out of line or I'm out of place, you don't want no. to talk about it. Don't feel like you need to do it. Ask away. Um, I, I'm just I'm genuinely curious of this stuff. I want to go. How does this start for your parents? Do you have a history of your parents? Do you know the history of your parents? Do you know where this started for them? No, that's a that's a great question because you could you could say, well, how does one turn into a serial killer, right? Sure. It's like you trace that back. In, in, people smarter than you and I have done a lot of studies on this, and, and you know, somewhere, in, most likely in their childhood, there's there's some major dysfunction going on to that mm-hmm. little child. Who, who grows up with that and then becomes the perpetrator, that kind of thing. You know, what, what, what causes an individual to go from just a, a little boy, let's say, to grow up to become a pedophile who wants to do the most awful things to children? Right. And, and, and as you know, most, most of these individuals who are, end up in that category as adults, sex offenders, pedophiles, serial killers, etc., cetera, uh, they're not going to change. They're, they're so addicted to that behavior and, and they want more and they want more and they want more. Right. And I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe some have changed, you know, somebody becomes an alcoholic and then they become dry and they, they kick the habit and they, they do well. Well, how many, how many 
hardcore pedophiles and serial killers have repented and changed? I don't know, but I we guess know. the answer is probably close to zero. Right. So, I, and I don't know why, but it is what it is. It's a fact that we all recognize that. So, I feel like if you're really sorry for doing that kind of stuff, you just you just end it yourself. You know what I mean? You like just do the world a favor. Uh, if only that could happen more often. Do you know what I mean? Like, honestly, like if, if you've awesome. done horrific things to children, you scared them for life. If you really want to do the right thing, yeah. you just, you just end it for all. But going back to your, to your parents, what kind of parent, I mean, do you still have a relationship with your parents? Are they still alive? What's. Well, they're, they're, they're not alive. Um, okay. Well, what was your relationship with your parents prior much. to and after? Not much. Not much. See, see you have to remember that, that, once again, if, if the abuse is really horrific and that, so the one thing that little, little kid wants when he's being abused, yeah, the one thing that kid wants is safety. Sure. And, and or protection, kind of the same thing. And if that kid doesn't get it, all of that gets stored. And, and not just the memory and the emotion gets stored, but when, when you're scared to death, your body releases these hormones, primarily cortisol and adrenaline. Sure. It's that fight and flight panic yeah. hormone that dumps into your system. Yeah. When you when that comes back as an adult, all of that comes back. Exactly every bit of it, every bit of scared. When when I'd have these attacks come back as an adult, my whole body would just start shaking. My heart would be pounding off the chart. I literally felt like I was going to die. I've been into the ER room so many times because I, wow. and your breath just starts going, and all that fear, all that emotion, all the smell, all the sights, all the sounds. All of it comes tumbling back, and your body gets pumped with adrenaline and cortisol. It just repeats itself, and that—that's and that's a common thing when little kids suppress it, and it and it often comes back into adulthood. And for males, it comes back a little later. Traditionally, sometimes in your fifties, even sure. I think your early fifties is probably one the most common age for a male who is abused at that young age for it to resurface. Uh, what was female, the age when your abuse stopped? About age eight. And so from age eight, let's say to 18, did you suppress anything. it completely or was it, was it still there? Did you act out? Did you lash out? Did you color your hair? Did you write music? Did you, I mean, was the trauma there at 18 or did it just disappear until you were 50? That's a good question. Um, first of all, you don't remember it if it was there. Okay. Second of all, it actually was there, and it does affect you. Now, now that I, now that I know, now that all the memories came tumbling back, um, then I look back at those years from the from the suppression till my till recently, I can see a lot of signs. Like for instance, when my father passed away, probably fifteen years ago, ten years ago, maybe. Uh, I remember going into the funeral home and with a couple siblings, and there was my. We had to take care of things, right? That you do at a funeral. Home. Sure. And, the, and there was my dead father, lay, you know, laying there. I felt nothing, completely zero, and it shocked me. And I'm like, I should be mourning the death of my father, and I feel absolutely nothing. And that bothered me for years. And well, when the memories came all, all came back, now I know why. Do you know what triggered the memories to come back? No, that's a good, another good question. Um, often with with PTSD and these memories returning sometimes they come back uh some sometimes something triggers them but yeah. uh, but also often 
nothing. So my case was a little unique maybe in that. So I'm 60, right? At age 45, I had the first, uh, let's say, attack or episode. Mm -hmm. And it hit me and it surprised that I I thought I was having a heart attack. I felt like my heart just, bam, racing off the charts. It's like an extreme, extreme panic attack. And all that, I had no idea what was going on. I thought I was having a heart attack. So I, what time I, of day was that? I was like two in the morning. <laughs> two in the morning, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, had you had you been drinking or smoking? No, no, no. Or I know, like, yeah. and the reason I ask this is, is cops, cops see a lot, right? We we see a lot of trauma too. Um, yeah. and nothing like this, nothing like the child abuse. But like I said before at the beginning of the show, I think why this show is important to me is because I've had I've had the same attack you've had, maybe oh, yeah. not as severe. Yeah, okay. I, I wrote about it in my book as well. Um, and it was a one night thing. And um, I had been drinking, though. And okay. um, it was night shift and my family was sleeping. And yeah. uh, and I sat on the couch and I, I don't know what triggered it. But all of the images, all of the dead people I'd seen from my combat days uh, to all the, the bodies as a police officer. Um, but what really was triggering was the child abuse of the children that I had you know, arrested their parents or had been a part of the oh, investigation. Right. Yeah. And, and I was beside myself. I'm not a crier, dude. I'm not an emotional guy, but I found myself that night I wrote on in my book that I found myself sobbing on my couch by myself in a room, like in my living room, in my house exactly, and uncontrollably uh, yeah. sad. And I know that other first responders, cause I, I talked with other first responders too, and they've all had those similar attacks. Now, for me, I don't know. I don't know what the ingredients were for it to hit me that night. A lot changed in my life that night. Um, yeah. Matter of fact, I, I wrote the book that, that I wrote um, yeah. uh, um, as part of that. But I went for a run, and I run until I purged myself. I basically was pretty drunk, and, and I went for a run, and I ran hard, and I ran until I just threw up. And then when I got done throwing up, it was like a huge epiphany. Like I had to come over. I was like, okay, I'm done with this. I, I'm not. I I've got a family. I've got this. I'm not going to let this job destroy me um, and become one of these guys who is, oh. is overly depressed and, and is caught up on this. I have to figure out a way to let this go. And I had a conversation with my wife, told her a bunch of things and, and then I worked through it. Um, and so, but I know for me that, you know, I'm not saying that alcohol is a, a great thing, but had I not been drinking that night, I don't think those traumas would have came back. And, and, who knows? Maybe they would have hit me when I'm 45, when I'm 60. I don't know. That's the only yeah. reason why I asked that question. But so, so it's two o'clock in the morning. You're having this panic attack. Um, and I think a lot of first responders can relate to that. And, uh, yeah. so and, and so, but you don't know what it's from. You just know that you're now, did those images flood back to you from your childhood at this no, moment? So not, not at that point. So okay. I got rushed to the hospital in the ambulance and, and, and the pain for me, a lot of it was right around my heart. And so sure. fair enough to them, they thought. And so I went through all the heart tests, you know, the treadmill, right. the, da, da, da. and uh, well, Mr. Toro, you are healthy as can be. There's absolutely nothing wrong with you. And that began the journey of these episodes. And for 14 years, I don't know why, for 14 years, these episodes returned to me with no memory. Wow. And I had probably an average of three or four of these a week. Hmm. And they, they're just... They were just and they would hit at completely random times, and they would be they would be so awful that I I'm otherwise really healthy, right? I really I can run I could run for five miles no problem type of thing. And uh, after 14 years of this, I just 
uh, I've seen every doctor. I've been scanned up and down my whole body, left and right. I've talked to spiritual healers. I've had acupuncturists. I've, I've run the gamut for 14 mm -hmm. years trying to figure out because this was all physical, not one memory. Right. And then uh, about a year ago, the first memory hit. Another another panic attack like that, and then a memory came, and it was off the charts worse. I didn't think it could get worse. Wow. So but you have this you, memory. What was the first memory that, that hit you back? Um, the one I told you about in the coffin. Being in the coffin. Now, do, yeah. do you have siblings? Do you have brothers, sisters, or anything like that? Yeah, there's 10 of us siblings. And, uh, wow. I didn't know this at the time, but not one of my sisters was part of this, too. And so did you reach not. When it happened, only because I've never had a memory hit me that I didn't have. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I didn't. Yeah. I'm not, I, I haven't experienced extreme trauma. I've only seen other people's trauma. Ooh. Um. So I've never ha I've never experienced that. So I'm curious about it. So when, when you have this memory, were you at first? Were you like, is that real? Or or did you know? Like as soon as you had the memory, you're like, oh shit, this happened. Man, you you ask you ask great questions. Um. <laughs> If you think about something that happened to you, let's say 10, 20 years ago, okay. I don't know, you broke your arm, you got married, you know, something that you will never forget. Right. And if I ask you about it and, and I, and I pry a little bit and I say, well, okay, what happened? You tell me oh, this happened. Da, da, da. Well, if I ask you further and I say, okay, name the emotion of mm. that memory, you, you start thinking, okay, well, let, let's say it's the day you were married. You're like, man, I was happy off the charts and life was good. And, I'm totally in love. I mean, you could start naming all these wonderful emotions. Sure. And you could probably tell me a fair amount of detail. You, Depending on how long ago the memory was, you, there might be some fragments that of forgetfulness in there. But generally speaking, then if I were to challenge you and say, okay, well, how how do you know that that's actually true? Because it's 20 years ago or 10 years mm -hmm. ago. And, well, you would think I was an idiot. you say, well, of course it's true. I lived it. Yeah. And, 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 these these memories that came flooding back are so so vivid and and it's not just the memory it's it's the emotion and feeling every feeling that little kid felt mm. and we can get into this in a little bit but there there's a way there's there's a there's there's a way to heal from this properly and it's going back to that memory we can we can cover that in a minute but but yeah these memories are as vivid possibly even more vivid than most memories that I have because they were so freaking awful. I mean, they, yeah, they were, I, I mean, uh, being buried alive, I mean, even being under the blankets and having somebody holding a blanket overhead is no fun, much less being buried in a satanic ritual. Yeah. And, did you, did you know that you're, I mean, so after the age of eight, right? Like, did yeah. you know, even at the age of eight, 18, that your parents were satanic? No. Did you, were you afraid of your parents at the age eight to 18? No, my, um, I don't have one memory of my mom being involved in that, but she, okay. she either had to know, or it's not uncommon that these people will threaten. Now, if an adult says to a kid after abusing the kid, you know, if you tell anybody I'm going to kill you. Right. Two things about that. Okay. The kid believes it. Sure. And it actually happens. I've, I've seen other little kids when I was little. I've seen other little kids be killed. They, they, they so do not want to be caught that if if there's if they can kill a kid and that and 
Well, they kill they kill kids for two reasons. One, for that to not get caught if they need to, and number number two, they they enjoy killing them. So there is that. Yeah, they probably make a little bit of profit off the organs and things like they, that too. They there you go. That's exactly right. Do you feel like your father would have killed you? <laughs> uh, my father wasn't the ringleader because okay. uh, you know usually if, if if a group of people organize, there's usually a leader and followers, right? Right. And uh, he was one of the coward followers, let's say. Would he have right. killed me had he been uh, commanded to or whatever? Uh, I don't doubt it because he did some really awful things, especially did some awful things to my sister. What, what are the conversations that you have with your siblings about this? Have they relived this? Have they come to terms with it yet? Well, I. Uh, so another clever thing they do if, if, if a certain parent is involved in this and, and, and those parents have X amount of kids and they bring them into this awfulness, it's not uncommon that they will pick a kid or in my case, there were 10 of us kids in our family. They picked me and my sister and they strategically don't pick all the kids because like if I told or tried to tell or say this bad is happening to me and, uh, Authority, either authorities come over or some other adult hears about it, and then they ask the other siblings and the other siblings and so on, and they all say no, 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 no. No one's going to believe me, right? And that's not an uncommon thing with kids. Is to, uh, in fact, that's that it that that in itself is a trauma, having such ugly things happen to you, and wanting to tell somebody who cares and nobody listens. That that alone is a trauma, right? So think about to- like if you're. If you're if you're a bus driver and on the back of your bus is a bunch of little U's. Right. And let's say you were traumatized. I'm going to just make up a number a hundred times over a period of X years. There are a hundred little U's that you have to go back to each one. Sometimes you can go back to multiples. If the, if, if, if a certain type of trauma happened to you almost like the same way, multiple times, but in effect, you have to go back to each one of those um, little kids and, um, and fix the trauma. And so it, it's it's not like a blanket statement where, you know, right. oh, I can go back once and be healed. You got to go back to each one. You know, I worked a, a sex, probably the worst sex crime case that I ever worked as a cop. The, the I believe there was eight kids in the family. Okay. Um, grandmother was only about, I want to say 45 or 50 years old. This is the grandmother. So when I say grandmother, you know, okay. think more like 45, not like a stereotypical grandmother. Yeah. Um, but she had a boyfriend. So the boyfriend was probably 48. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. And this boyfriend sexually abused many of the children in this family of eight. And when I interviewed uh, the the first female, she was she was, I believe, eight years old. And I and I, I interviewed her with the actual mother. Mother was probably 25 26 maybe a little younger yeah and so she was present and i asked the eight-year-old and the eight-year-old had some pretty graphic things to say that happened she had a very big story to tell almost unbelievable almost unbelievable but of course i'm always going to side with the child in this in this uh case here it wasn't until i talked to the four-year-old and it's funny that you mentioned you before but i talked to the four-year-old and the four-year-old told me what, what he told me and, and, and of course, his conversation was as a four-year-old would be. 
very short answers, not very much. But towards the end of my interview, the four-year-old said, sometimes when we drop my sister off at school, we pull into the park and he does this with his wiener until white stuff comes out. And that's when I knew that everything the eight-year-old had told me had to be true because the four-year-old had not made any kind of other statement that was anywhere close to being logical as that was. So I knew that the kid wasn't making it up. Now, when I talked to the 12 year old, the 12 year old said that the, both the other kids were lying. There you go. But as I talked to the 12 year old, I asked her one question and I don't know if this was God or what, but I'd asked her a question. I said, does your mother's or does your grandmother's boyfriend ever watch porn? She said, sometimes, but we usually go upstairs. And that's when I knew that she had to be in neither in denial. I don't want to call her a liar, but in denial, because I, I have later found out that she was giving oral sex to this man underneath the table coming from the eight-year-old. And so she doesn't want to relive that trauma. But I understand what you're saying there, because if you the four-year-old would have never have said that about the man being in the car and doing that to white stuff, Maybe to this day, I would still question that entire case of whether it was true or not. Because the eight-year-old, what she told me was so audacious and so unreal to me. I don't, I can't fathom something like that happening. And at that time, I couldn't fathom it. Now I can. Now I know better. So I can understand that where you're coming from is if you have a family of 10, A, you might have one that doesn't want to live that trauma and, and wants to deny it because they're embarrassed or whatever. Can also yeah. understand that if they're not directly, you know, you know, my brother's the favorite child of the family. I know that. So my brother's always going to be biased to what my dad's decisions are when it comes to, you know, selling the family cabin or buying a new book. You know, my, my brother's always going to side with my dad because he's always been favored by my father. Um, is that kind of how you felt with your siblings? Well, it's interesting what you say because what you experienced is 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 the effects or after effects of of what adults do and how adults try to control and how good they are and the other thing to note to note about what you're talking about is that for that little kid especially when they when they get started started to be abused as really little one two and three year olds that is their norm right and so they can say things like you know so and so was doing this with their private parts da 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 and often they'll say it just like matter of factly. They won't say it like it was terrible or awful or anything. They just kind of say it matter of factly. Yeah, this happened. No big deal. Well, yeah. you as a, a good adult going into a situation like that, hearing a kid say it so matter of factly, like it's just the norm. Even that is twisted. Right. And 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 you may think, well, he's got to be lying or something because he's he's just saying this matter of fact. It's not affecting him in a bad way. Maybe he's making it up. Whereas if that little kid was, was to tell you such a story and then just cry and be completely all moved and mm-hmm. distraught, that would make more sense. Sure. That's not what you see often. Going back to the satanic cult thing, how does that just, do, how, did, how does he just let your family just let that go at the age of eight? Did they just stop being satanic? Or do they just stop using you because they felt like you could remember it now? Okay, yeah, a couple things with that. 
it is not uncommon for little boys to age out about age eight. And age out meaning because they want the little boys. That's the point. Well, that's that's part of it too. There's several reasons. That's part of it. You think of these creeps, they, like going to a restaurant and ordering your favorite whatever off a menu. You have choices, mm-hmm. and so these creeps, many of them say, "You know, I want a three-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. I prefer three-year-olds. Eight-year-olds don't do it for me anymore." So mm-hmm. there is that. Um, when when a little kid when any little kid gets around age seven, eight or nine, somewhere in there, their brain literally changes and, and they become more aware. And especially some little boys at age eight can actually fight back a little bit where they couldn't before. Sure. They're a little harder, harder to control. Girls tend to stay in it longer because most of the creeps are men who prefer girls. Granted, there are a, a group of them who prefer boys, right? Right. But unfortunately it's women women young girls get most of most of the sexual abuse that goes on happens to girls just it's just the nature of it and so yeah so it the young boys get a little smarter by that age and so they often age out that way and they're harder to control and um and that's just a common thing so my situation fit into that common mode and um you know, and, and, and you, you've come to terms with these, you've written a book and we're going to talk about the book first, but uh, in a few, in a second, but um, you know, you've, you've lived this trauma, you live this horrific satanic ritual. I do a show on this channel. Uh, we do five shows a week. And one of the shows that I do is, is called night shift. And we often talk about anything that cops would want to hear on night shift, anything at first responders. So we talk about, you know, mostly true crime sometimes aliens, sometimes conspiracies. And we have a good time with, with the conspiracies and the, and the true crime respectfully, but you know, it's more for conversation because cops are generally interested in this stuff at night. When you're alone in your cop car, you're kind of bored. You want to talk about Bigfoot. It's not that we believe in Bigfoot. It's not that we believe that the world is a flat earth or anything. It's just conversation that we talk about, you know, here are some of the sightings. Here's some of the evidence. Yeah. It's just fun talk. I, 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 can genuinely say I don't believe any of it, right? I, I don't, I mean, I, there could be a Bigfoot. I don't know, but I, I don't truly believe in it. But we did an episode on our favorite conspiracies. And so we had callers and fans write in what their favorite conspiracies were. And several of those conspiracy theories was Pizzagate. Yeah. And so we decided to cover for fun Pizzagate as we covered everything, as we covered Bigfoot, aliens, yeah. as we've covered everything else. YouTube and YouTube demonetized us for months. Um, they removed the YouTube thing. It was a big deal. We never said any of it was true. Um, we gave evidence both ways. We gave the evidence of, of, of what is known to be false. What's also known to be real. And what's really frightening about Pizzagate in that case is that there is more evidence that shows that something is going on, then there's evidence that shows that there's not. Now, I do believe that it is a conspiracy, right? And I do think it's a theory. And I don't think that we know everything. It's just like Amelia Earhart. We have a lot of theories. Only one of them can be right, but it doesn't mean that theories are bad, right? There's something to talk about. Do you think that there is something like that that's on a wider scale than we even know that we can fathom? Do you think there is something to this whole... Pizza gate, pizza gate conspiracy, or this rich elite 
Holly, you know, the Holly weird symbol type thing. Do you think that that exists or what is your take on that being a victim? Okay. I, I, I understand the whole piece of gay thing and I, I can't speak to it specifically, but the, the, let's say alleged things that happen in those types of environments, I, I don't think they exist. I know they, exist. you know, they exist. Yeah. I was one of them. So there was a female that came out on TikTok, and I was trying to bring her name up for you. Um, but she is a black female who came out on several newscasts and says that she was sexually used in these scenarios by Oprah Winfrey. She named Oprah Winfrey. Um, yeah. She named uh, several others. She's now missing. And yeah. that's not a conspiracy theory. That's real life. She is missing. But now she has been claimed to, you know, being lied, you know, that those are lies and that she's, you know, she was sexually abused. She was pimped out from an early age. She was drugged from an early age. She was trafficked. But she, but, but it's not true that she was trafficked to the elites. But now she's missing altogether. They have buried this news. You cannot find very, when I was first following it three or four days ago, there were several articles. I just tried to Google it for you. What I usually use TikTok star sexually abused missing. If you if you Google that three or four days ago, her picture showed up and then all these fact checks showed up. I just typed it in now. It's not coming up on Google at all. Or they buried it so many pages deep. Why? And again, that goes back to me. Again, I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist. I'm not some kind of right wing radical guy. And, and I, I think it's weird that we've put right wing on anybody that believes in conspiracy theories. I thought... You know, back, I don't think that there should be a right or left on that. I think it's just, it's okay to question things. Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure the word conspiracy theory was invented when JFK died, which was, you know, to call the Democrats conspiracy theorists. So I don't understand why it's Republicans or conspiracy theorists now. I don't, I don't understand the politics behind the whole thing. Um, but I do believe that there is more evidence of some kind of weird sexual thing going on with rich elites, then there is evidence that shows that there's not something weird going on. When you look at Epstein, when you look at, um, uh, what is it? Uh, Harvey Weinstein. Um, yeah. when you look at even what Drew Barrymore has come out to say, what, um, yeah. some of the other actors have come out to say the traumas that you're now seeing through Aaron Carter, who just passed yeah. away recently. Yeah. Um, yeah. you have, uh, Corey Feldman, um, yeah just so many that are coming out to say to say things but we're not getting a lot of evidence from anybody that shows that this isn't happening it's not like somebody's breaking down the doors to hollywood and doing any investigations to show that there's not something yeah all right so um when when people come forward and they say these awful things have been done to them or others they know most people have a hard time believing because it is so, 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 so awful. Right. So if you take a human being and you say, okay, well, who's the most evil human being that's ever lived in the world? And some people might say Hitler or Stalin or whatever and this and that. I say, okay, well, describe what is so evil about him. And, and, and if you start going down that, that road and, and naming what an individual will do that qualifies them for being more evil than another, that becomes a really interesting discussion. And so, the wor in my opinion, the worst of the worst of the worst people, I have a hard time calling them people who live on this earth, are these child abusers. 
and they will do the most awful, awful things. And, and if, if you want to go there, I'm happy to, what they will do to kids. And you tell an average person, you shed the light on this to them, and they become appalled. They almost, it's almost unbelievable. They, they're, they, they, they just can't imagine that that could actually happen. It is actually happening. I mean, Why? these creeps, they'll, they'll take little kids they, out into the woods and they will strip them naked and let them, and scare them, scare the hell out of them and make them run out into the woods in the middle of the night and give them like an hour head start. Yes. We've heard this. So now, listen, we covered this on that Pizzagate episode, which is why I find funny that it got dismissed. Because this, you're, you're, you're saying that this happens. You know this happens. This um, happens because it, 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 doesn't take, it doesn't take much to... Why wouldn't it happen? These... The, okay. I'm, I'm sure you've heard the, the term adrenochrome and all that and this and that, right? No, I have not heard that. Okay, so I almost lied to you because I wanted to sound smarter than I am. And I was just going to be like, yes, but honestly, no, I've never heard that term. Okay, so so when, when a little kid gets terrified, their blood fills with, fills with adrenaline. That's what happens. There's hormones okay. pumped through you. And there are individuals who like to drink that blood. Mm. And they drink it because it gives them a certain high. There's another class of these individuals who believe that it's if it's if it's little kid blood, they will, uh, it'll have some longevity effect to them, right? Hmm. So these creeps, they will, um, they are so damn clever. So, so, so they constantly need to, as I said earlier, they constantly need to feed their, uh, their organization with little kids. Well, how do they get these little kids and why do they get them? Well, if they kidnap little Susie in a town, the, the police are going to know that little Susie got kidnapped. Right. So they'll kidnap little Susie and they'll take little Susie on a private jet to some country where it's legal for an adult to marry a child. Mm. And they'll get that child remarried, give it new papers, and now little Susie is Becky. Right. Nobody's looking for Becky. Mm-mm. That's one way. They also uh, solicit young girls who are pregnant who want abortions. Instead of go to the abortion clinic, get abortion, come to us. We'll pay you way more money. and We'll take your little child. Now they got a child. Uh, it, it, why do they need these little children? So they have these rich clientele who will come and do the most awful thing to these kids. So there's a there's a book called POW about the American prisoner prisoners of war in Vietnam. And there's one story in there where where a, a torturer reached his finger into the eye of American GI and rolled his finger around the GI's eye as a, as one form of torture. And the GI noticed that when he did that, he was he was sexually aroused. Mm. You're like, okay, you just took that to a whole nother level. Yeah. Well, these adults, they will be ushered into a room where there's a little boy, let's say. Right. And they are not satisfied unless they can kill that boy. Mm. Tear it limb to limb. The blood, drink the blood and become sexually aroused through the whole process. And then when that poor little kid, who's drugged, by the way, is murdered, they're murderers. They will will harvest that little kid's organs for more money, etc. Okay, that personal evil from one adult to one kid, it's almost like, you know, the 
the wars we fight today, you press a button and a drone flies out and drops a bomb. Well, if you go back to medieval times when it's hand to hand combat between you and another, and you're sticking a, uh, your sword in another guy's throat, <laughs> that's different. Sure. And so these creeps who, who will do that personal, close to close to a little kid and kill the kid and dismember it and get their s sexual pleasure on, there are no worse people in the world. And now I don't know. I don't know which adults have done that to which kids. I know that I was part of that. I, I, I can remember, I have one of my memories is sitting on a medical table in some obscure room. I don't remember where I was, what city, with child body parts strewn around me, blood mm -hmm. all over me. This happens. These creeps degenerate into, and they're powerful, and they're often in politics. And you bring up the whole Jeffrey Epstein thing and, well, if you have that much money and you can buy protection, and I, you know, conspiracy theories, theory the hell out of this all you want to, but these people exist and they exist on many levels. And yes, the powerful exist. And yes, they can protect themselves because of their money and influence and paying off judges and whatnot. But that happens at your own community level on a much smaller scale by creeps who are not as powerful. Yeah, we cover the Dennis Perkins case, uh, who was an officer in Louisiana and his wife was a teacher and they had over 150 counts with girls under the age of 12 horrible things um uh drugging them to forcing them to have sex with animals i mean yeah. the fact that they didn't get caught until they did get caught was insane but they had eight terabytes of yeah. personal videos of them with not only their daughter but all of their daughter's friends and their daughter's friends really don't know what happened because it was sleepovers and they waited until you know, everybody drank their Kool-Aid and was yeah. falling asleep and they did everything with it. But they masturbated into cupcakes and fed the cupcakes to the classroom. Uh, they masturbated onto a female's cheerleading outfit and then hung it up in her um, locker so that she would unknowingly wear the cheerleading yeah. outfit with, with uh, yeah. the See fluids you know. on there. So yeah, we, you know, it, it, it happens. And that's, on, that's a school teacher and, and a police officer in a yeah. town. And, and yep. so I've always said, and I've always said this, and I, I say it over and over again, I have five kids. I have five kids. Uh, it's, it's not, is there, it's who is. It's yeah, not, exactly. is there a sexual predator at my church? It's who is the sexual predator at my church? Because yeah. if you're a sexual, like, like I said, if you're a fisherman, you're going to go to the pond that's full of bass. You're not going to go yeah. to the pond that's empty. Yes. So for, for a pedophile, he, he's not going to go he's not going to go to Eric's podcast studio, which is full of adult cops. <laughs> he's going to go to, you, you know, uh, the, the, the church groups or the things that are full of the full of kids. What's your take on the Epstein thing, by the way, you think that's real? Obviously it's real. I feel like, I feel like society as a whole is pretending like it's not real. And I don't yeah. know that it doesn't get any more real than the Epstein case. Personally, I'd like to know what you think though. Of course it's real. I mean, it, you know, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck type of thing, right? right? You know, it, it's just, it's not like any other society, societal thing. It's not really different. They're powerful and they're rich and they play the same game at their level. And people in communities, like little sleepy communities across the world, it happens, it, the same thing happens. Just different level on different financial strata, if you will, right? And because they they play at that level, they're connected with those 
folks, they, they can buy off cops. If, if, if they're a corrupt cops, they can buy off judges. They can get away with all kinds of things, right? That's all. It, it's, it's, so so if, if, you, if you look at, at a, this kind of abuse or rituals or whatever throughout history, um, you could go like to the Incas or the Mayas and say they sacrificed and killed sure. little children. And, yeah. and what, one of their excuses is like, well, we want to offer the most precious thing to the gods, this sure. little child. Or we have these rituals and we wear these garments and these clothes and this and that. To me, it's all a bunch of bullshit. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's creeps using that as a front or an excuse or a cover. Well, that's what the priest preacher, whatever you want to call him for Waco. That was his kind of ordeal. That's why I've always been like on the fence about Waco. I I do. I think it was a disaster. Sure. But but I I do believe that David, well, David Koresh was having sex with those kids. They've all admitted to having sex with those those kids. His, his, his flavor of the month banner religion whatever right but you remember he was like using god right he was telling these kids that it's not sex with him that they're getting a shot at having their moment with with god um in afghanistan when i served there the child prostitution between young boys um they don't see that as gay when they're of a certain age and if we remember the book kite runner um it it touches on that in that book and things like that but you know it wasn't you know the rich moolahs always had their little boy toy with them and it was very obvious they treated them like a boy toy put their hands on their behind guide them with their things act very flirtatious with the little boy um and and that is a culture that is deep-seated in religion but the religion turns a blind eye to these rich moolahs who have their little boy toys which they're not allowed to be gay but for whatever reason, because it's a young boy, it's, you know, the, like you said, there's like this, uh, you know, innocence, there's this like virginity yeah. type pureness yeah. that they, like you said, it's bullshit. It's, it's absolutely bullshit, but yeah. that's what they justify their evil desires with. You, you know, know they just, religion you know. is one of the greatest covers for these people. Well, sure. It's the easiest, right? It's, it's absolutely easy. the easiest. Well, and and when they're doing their abuse to the kid, they use religion also. This is what God wants. They right. convince the little kid, right, et cetera. So they use it to the public, and then they use it also with, within their own creepy organizations. Yeah. I mean, there's there's an easy fear to use, right? Like, if you don't do this, you're sinful. If you don't do this, yeah. God will be disappointed in you. If you don't do this, yeah. you know, you're not going to go to heaven. So it's, it's a very... You know, that's why, you know, that I, I'm very concerned with church. I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I am a believer. If that matters, it doesn't really matter to you, but I am a believer of Christ. I, I do consider myself to be a Christian, but I am, I am very, very skeptical of church. I do not like the way the churches use fear over human beings. I don't like, uh, the, the, you know, the majority of, you know, church is so open to corruption. It's, it's where politicians, I'd sort of say every politician gets their start in church because that's the best way to practice <laughs> politics, right? Good. I can lobby my way to be a deacon. I can lobby my way to be an elder. I can, you know, and then, yeah. you know, and, and so I'm very careful. I, 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 I treat church differently than most people do. Um, you yeah. know, I, I go there to get what kind of education I do, but I, I don't for one second let my guard down inside of a, a church. Um, you know, but I, the same way with with my kids, if they were, you know, they're, they're homeschooled, but if they were to go to public school, my biggest fear, um, you know, more more so even than school shooting is, is which one of these teachers is exploiting a child, you know, 
is it going to be my child? Is it, is it another child? You know, because as a police officer, I've seen it. And yeah. I think this is another point, and I want to end this with you on this one because I'd like to know your take on it. The way I run my podcast, um, you know, we try not to be overtly political. Uh, I always say that all politicians are pieces of shit. Um, I don't believe that you make it far in politics without selling your soul some way or another. And I think the reason why me and so many other first responders do have that attitude, although people would like to think that that police officers are are conservative or not, you know, police officers are a lot more not black and white as as you would like to think. Cops debate politics quite often, and I think the reason being people don't take a lot of time to talk to first responders is that we understand that when we arrest people, there is no particular demographic of Democrat and Republican. It's not or like, anything else of race or age or anything. There's not, it's, I can't tell you that more Democrats get DUIs than Republicans. Yeah. I can't tell you that more Republicans diddle children than Democrats. I can't tell you that because when I go to a crime scene, I've seen both. I've seen preachers diddle kids. I've seen Democrats murder people. I've seen Republicans murder people. I've, I've seen it all. And so politics doesn't really have anything to do in it. Why do you think uh, that we have seen in, in the recent four or five years that the anti-pedophile movement has become a political agenda. Why is it that if you are save the children, right? And we know this from Twitter because Twitter was progress, you know, was predominantly a left wing thing, but we couldn't use the hashtag protect the kids. And I was pretty adamant about hashtag protect the kids. And I, and I never once told people who I was voting for because I don't think it's anybody's business. So I wasn't trying to promote any particular candidate. I really wanted to promote hashtag save the kids. Because yeah. I felt like if Trump's on that list, fuck him. If Biden's yeah. on that list, fuck him. I want to know who's on the. I want to know who's connected to this shit. I want to know who knows, who knew, who partook. I want to know all of it, and I don't care about yeah. the politics. Why do you think? And, and I'm going to consider you a victim because you you were a victim. Some people don't like to be called a victim, but you you were a victim, and and um, you know, what does that make you feel like? When do you feel like it's politicized? Absolutely, because the pedophiles want to make their behavior. I mean, they're calling themselves MAP. Right, minor attracted persons. Right, instead Gross. of pedophiles, because pedophiles is a bad word that most people agree on. Now they want to rebrand themselves and, and be accepted. Well, what's the next step for them? Well, it's to make their behavior legal. Mm. And for them to do that, they have to be involved in politics. Mm. That's their aim. I mean, the mm. UN, just the other day on the news, so, something happened in the UN where they vote about international law and this and that. And there's a movement happening there where they wanted to lighten the sentences or erase the sentences for pedophiles. Wow. So, of course, it's going to go political because that's why they want to become mainstream. They don't, they want to be able to do their evil crap and not get busted. So and this comes out. So they got to change the law. How else are they going to do it? But but be political. Do you get a lot of feedback through your art? Um, do do people confront you politically? And I and I know that it must be hard for you because your trauma isn't political at all. Your 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 trauma has no agenda. Um, you're trying to spread the word of save the children. You're trying to, to spread the word yeah. of protect the children. You know, yeah. it's sad that I can't say save the children because then that would affiliate me with a political alignment. That's sad. That is, 
that is sad to me because when I say save the children, I'm not taking a political stance. What I'm, what I'm, yeah. I'm legitimately trying to say, save the children, protect the children. Yeah. So yeah. do you find that in your movement, people are trying to align you politically? And I don't know where you align politically and I don't care. And I don't want you to tell me, but what I, my point being is, do you find that when you're trying to promote your book, when you're trying to promote your art, when you're trying to talk about trauma, do you find it difficult? Do people try to, to put you into a corner politically because of, because of that kind of, uh, fortunately, no. Okay, and good. For, and fortunately I could care less about politics. Good, good. I kind of echo what you said earlier. Yeah. I, I just, I, I feel, I feel afraid, right? Because yeah. there was another victim on social media and it was a female yeah. victim and, and she was trying to, you know, she's very a part of the, the protect the children movement. And yeah. now she's been forced to be political and, um, and yeah. she is political. And I think that's sad for her, but I know why she did it. Right. Because when she started doing it, people started accusing her of being pol political. And then the political side that just happens to, to, I don't, I, I, you know, I don't know, uh, I guess be against pedophilia or something. I, I, it's, it's all confusing to me, but you know, she ends up joining that kind of group and then she ends up being overtly political and, and it's, and I, and I hate it for her because I wish the save the children movement was absent of politics because Republicans and Democrats, they're both guilty of the same crime. You know what I mean? Just because you're a Republican does not mean you're, you're not a pedophile. There are, there are Republican pedophiles. There are Democrat pedophiles. Does they're it, across the board. Across the board. It doesn't, you, yeah. you're not excused because of your political affiliation. And therefore I want the save the children and the hashtag protect the children to be without yeah. political views. Because well, th those everybody's guilty on both sides. If the pedophile movement chooses a political party, I could care less about that also. I yeah, well. It's it's you know you think about these moral issues and they're 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 tough. You have the folks on the right who say gay marriage, I'm against it, against it. Sure. And then you have a lot of these issues around trans stuff and gay stuff and pronouns and all these kind of things, right? And you know, at, at most of that, I'm like, well, you're an adult. You go do what you want. I really don't care. But as soon as you start touching my children, right, pedophiles, that is a hard, hard, hard line in the sand. Isn't it confusing though? Right now, uh, do, yeah. do you, do, don't you see that there is a, like in? And again, I'm using the word overt a lot today, but I, I do believe that overtly they are coming for the kids. They're, again, yeah. more evidence than not. I'm a cop. More evidence yeah. shows that. That, uh, you know, you don't see strippers trying to read books to kids in schools. The strippers are staying in the strip clubs. Why are the uh, cross-dressing dancers, why don't they just stay at the, listen, I've been to one. I, I've, I've partied at one. I'm not going to lie to you. I've gone to one of those little uh, Rocky Horror Picture shows where everybody kind of, you know, yeah. sexually ambiguous. I've been to one of those. It's 20 years old. I was, I was 21 years old. I was an adult. Yeah. I would never no. want that for what a child. Whether you're going to uh, promote your brand of sex, whether you're a super Christian, religious, right, conservative person, or you're way on the other side, leave our kids out of it. Right. Because when I was a kid, right, we were we were more concerned of what Ninja Turtle we identified as. <laughs> and and what yeah, number we were going to There obviously is a movement with, within some groups. I mean, the pedophile movement for... I don't know how long their motto was sex before eight before it's too late. Right. Yeah. Okay. I don't care who <laughs> Christian right or far left or in, in, in between 
don't talk to my kid about sex before eight before it's too late. It's crazy. It's good. My, my, my kids are homeschooled. Um, so they, yeah. you know, and, and they, they're pretty much raised at skateboard parks. They're, they're very good there skateboarders. Go. Um, but it's crazy to, that, um, my 10 year old has a 12 year old friend and, uh, the conversations that him and this 12 year old are having, you know, you know, he'll sit down at the dinner table and say, dad, what's bisexual? And I'm like, what? You know, my 10 year old should not be asking me what bisexual is. And he says, yeah, his, his buddy uh, says that he thinks he's bisexual, you know, at 12 years old. And I'm like, dude, when I was 12 years old, man, like we were literally trying to figure out which power ranger we were and we were arguing yeah. over which superpower we had. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. There is a movement that they are coming after our kids. Yeah. I'll say that all day. If it makes me conspiracy crazy nutball, fine. I, I mean, I'll take it. But I yeah. really, truly believe, Jimmy, that they are that there is a group of people coming for our children. Yeah, because if they could make it legal or soften the laws against yes. being tested, they're happy. So that's that's what they're doing. That's why they're making it political. Jimmy, where can we find your book? Uh, my website, Jimmy J I M M I Toro T O R O dot com. Um and. Uh, we're, you know, I, I, we do do the night shift show. Um, yeah. and, and, and that show is live. So th it's live yeah. at Tuesday nights uh, at 8 p.m. It's a live show and it's lively broadcast on YouTube. Would you ever want to come on that show with myself and Andrea Uplate? She's a true crime kind of guru. She sat on some cold case boards, um, reopening and, and reviewing some cold cases and stuff. But, uh, um, you know, yeah, I but, think that this would be something that our, our night shift audience would also be very interested in listening to and kind of yeah. going, you know, you know, further into kind of the, this, the psychology into all of this, what makes these guys tick, what, you know, what we like to talk about is because cops, cops need to know this stuff, right? Because it makes them more vigilant. Yeah. Um, and it allows them to deal with it. And I'd like to, to, to talk on that episode more about your direct trauma and kind of maybe how police can better uh, respond to stuff like that and, and have their eyes open to it. Um, yeah. Something like that. Would that be something you'd be interested in? Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so, guys, if you want to follow Jimmy Toro, it's J-I-M-M-I -M -M -I, Toro. I know all of our paid members, our paid Patreon members, they're going to do it no matter what. They're going to go buy your book. That's what they do. Oh. These are our core fans. If you're on the show you're getting the hookups. They're going to follow you on the Instagrams. No doubt. Um, if I release this publicly, which I, I probably am going to, um, and, but not before we do the night shift episode. Um, sure. and, and, and then we'll put it out there too, to go to Jimmy Toro, G I J I M M I T O R R O. Um, the artwork that he does is absolutely phenomenal. Um, the website that he's got looks great. The art uh, itself is worth a gander and to take a look at it, you can really, once you kind of, and I've only briefly heard his story, but now the art makes complete sense. And I look at it completely different, which is the, you know, that's the power of art. Um, Jimmy, we thank you for your time. Um, we're sorry that you lived that, but we appreciate what you're doing for the cause. It's a cause worth yeah. fighting for. I have said a million times on this show, you won't find me protesting at the white house for an election. You won't find yeah. me protesting something from a cop that he did or did not do. But what yeah. you would find me protesting for is a protected child movement. Now, I yeah. don't see a lot of that happening. And if I didn't have five kids, I'd be the guy that would try to organize that. 
but I, I, I will admit that I just don't have the time to do it, but it's not something that I don't care deeply about. And if there was ever a movement, I would try to be a part of it in some way, yeah. shape or form. So if there's ever a protest or a, a meetup for protected children, please yeah. let us know because I think our fans feel the same way. Um, Can I leave with one thought? Go ahead. Of course. So I have this charity I've started. It's called Rescue 11, rescue11.org. We'll share that on our Instagram as well. Rescue. That'd be awesome. And our, our mission is to protect children by going into communities. We set up clubs at high schools. These high schools kids, we, we teach them to be aware of these pedof- these these awful yes. child abusers in their communities. They connect with, 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 like, with churches, nonprofits, with pl- politics, with legal, with police force in the community and they become the hub of helping raise awareness that right in their communities these predators are actively waking up every day saying how can i steal and hurt your child mm. and that's exactly what they do and how they get to them online and making awareness to this and so if any of your audience wants to uh reach out to us at rescue11.org and get involved or or if somebody wants to to donate and help uh with financially that would be awesome i think we all want to help i think we all want to donate yeah i think we all want to be a part of 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 that as well if there's anything you need law enforcement wise or advice wise i think it's important that that law enforcement officers stay up on this too because yeah it happens in a uh, lot of communities and uh i think we all i think every cop has had a case that he suspected it um yeah and for one reason or another didn't follow his gut instincts because we preach about not following hunches so much that I think that uh, sometimes that we know that there's some kind of an abuse and we know that we're not going to get child protective services to help us at all. Um, yeah. We know that and that's that, just not going to happen. Um, you have an enemy that is really, really, really good at hiding. Control. They are. They're great at it. Um, and, you know, that's, that's kind of, that's the point. They're the predators, right? That's why they yeah. are the apex predators. Jimmy, I don't want this to be our last conversation by a long stretch. I'm going to reach out to you um, okay. later on about this. I'd love to. Ha- I'd love to do more stuff. I'd love to to make this more known. It's something that I am passionate about. Being a father, I'm invested in this. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we can talk more about the healing process because the healing process trauma is, is so absolutely fascinating. Well, let's and do that. Let's do it. We'll do a part two. I mean, I'll, I'll do as many as you yeah. want. I'll do as many as you want to do. Um, yeah. Um, because well, I, I I have no doubt that our listeners aren't going to be and. and you know, hundred yeah. percent all in on this. There are a lot of people, a lot of adults living with trauma who, who will never heal. Unfortunately, they get addicted to all kinds of things. They commit yeah. suicide. It's awful. And there, I would love to chat about the healing process. Let's do a part two. Do you mind doing a part two? I'd love to. I'll Absolutely. get up with you in the emails. We'll make this part one. We'll do a part two yes. and then we'll do a separate night shift episode for our public audience. That'd be great. Oh, Jimmy, you're the best. Thank you so much, sir. Um, and, yeah. and I'll be getting up with you soon until next time. Thank, Thank you, Eric. Cheers.